God bless you. And we're so thankful to see all of you here and thankful to be here also to speak and say something of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you surrendering ourselves, giving ourselves each one to you, Father. That's all we can do. We give what we are. We give all you have made of us. We surrender it to your cause and your purpose. And we say without any shame, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, there we know that your will is being accomplished. Let it be accomplished here on earth. In this sanctuary, with the vessels that you have called, in Jesus Christ's name, amen, amen. Thank you, musicians. We'll just conclude with the song service part. And I want you to turn, if you would, in your Bible to Hebrews. I enjoyed uh, so much seeing Gideon baptized on, uh, I thought, surely that was a real blessing to Brother Alex and Sister Joaquina as well. <clears throat> and I just heard a few minutes ago that he's a very good friend of uh, my great-grandson, uh, pardon? Yes, Silas, Silas. Silas Ray, and I thank you for that, Gideon. God bless you. He said he's about the only one I can speak of spiritual things to. And that's a wonderful testimony. See, you already at your youth have a testimony of Jesus Christ. So you have a friend who loves to talk to you about spiritual things, and that's wonderful. I want to read in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. <clears throat> and we'll, uh, I want to read the first verse and the fourth verse, and then I will go to the fifth, sixth, and seventh verses. <clears throat> for the law, having, that's the Old Testament law, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. The law of the land has not got a shadow of a good thing to come. Uh, there's nothing in the laws of America or the laws of Canada or the laws of Congo or any place else that has uh, uh, any indication of good things to come. But we are so happy that for the law of the scriptures, having a having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Look at verse 3. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again 
made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So the body that had been prepared was, and I spoke on this about two years ago or more, and uh, and I took the body that had been prepared for the sacrifice that nothing could, you cannot add one thing to the sacrifice of Calvary for you. It's a free gift. And if it was not a free gift, God would not be God. You cannot earn it. You can live, live the word, and that's honor more than enough. But uh, when the Holy Spirit comes into you and begins to project the Word of God in a finished and completed way, that is an honor to God. And furthermore, it is a great victory of Calvary. And then I want to read verses 5 to 7. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst, Thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. And that is the period I want to end on. To do thy will, O God. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you have your seats. A body hast thou prepared me, but that body, just the body itself, was not the complete fulfillment of the word. It took and it required some action of that body. That body had to speak. That body did things that the Old Testament sacrifices could not do. Those sacrifices could not show compassion. This body could. Those bodies could not be the sacrifice even though they were sacrificed and burned to ashes, yet they could not provide a covering for sins. They only provided a covering for the time for sins. But this loosed us from sins. And and you must re- recognize he's the only one that can completely absolve a person of their sin. So that a prophet could come in this time and say, You never did it in the first place. There's no other, there's no other sacrifice that can say or speak those words. And so I want to take you on that journey. Now in the Old Testament, I was thinking a great deal. This, this may sound like it's completely uh, disconnected from the thought, but it's not. Uh, 
in the Old Testament, there were captains of the host. There were officers. There were people. And the Bible says of Moses, Moses speaking, so I took the chief of your tribes. Moses did. Wise men and known. These are recognized people and known and made them heads over you, captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and captains over fifties and captains over tens and officers among your tribes. That's what Moses did in his wisdom. He made captains. And then in the Bible, it tells us when Jesus was being betrayed in the garden. And here's a scripture that many people fail to see. They overlook it. They read it. But it says, And while he yet spake, this is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, And while he yet spake, Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him, and with him, and with him, a multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders. Now, the chief priests were in the Old Testament, and elders are in the Old Testament. But now we have come into the New Testament, and we find this group of people, a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. And Luke reports it this way. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and, and the elders which were come to him, be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? He couldn't, he couldn't, uh, I, I can't say he couldn't believe it, but he just wanted them to see how absurd this was. How, how, how is it? I spoke with you and then he went on to say, be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? And he said, I spoke openly to you in the temple daily, and you never came against me. You never, you never uh, came with swords and staves. What are you doing? He was trying to get them to see how absurd this was, how shameful it was. that you come out against me with swords and staves? And these were not just, uh, you know, guys off the street. These were elders. These were captains. This was the military. And this was the government. And this was the whole religious sector of the community, of this, of the country. And you have come against me with swords and staves. I spoke in your synagogues openly, daily, and you never come against me. But now things had turned. It's amazing how fickle the public is. How fickle the public is. 
And we have churches that are filled with people today. And I can tell you, religion is fickle. I just say that openly. And I say that honestly. Religion is really fickle. Anybody can put on a religious uh, facade and appear to be, you know, sing the same songs. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit to give life to this word and live it through the individual. So now I want you to see that now is a different group of people. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. The Bible speaks of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, evangelists, pastors, teachers, deacons, trustees. Uh, I'm speaking of the body of Christ. You may see yourself as an individual who's come to church on Sunday morning. I would like you to know emphatically you are not your own. You have been bought with a price the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he did not buy you to have you just sitting idly. That's why I made special reference to you, Gideon. Uh, Just being a friend to my great-grandson, that means something to me, but what does it mean to God? I don't know. It might be but I can tell you it's much more. And he can take an individual. And I'm going to, I'm going to express to you things that have moved me within the scripture. In this body of Christ, this body that sits here. And God prepared you. God knew where you were going to be born. God knew what color you were going to be. God knew what country you were going to come from. God knew what language you were going to speak. And he's not ashamed of any of that. We may grow up, and uh, as we mature, we perhaps mature away from our background. I have a very poor background, uh, a very, very different background. And uh, my wife has said to me, on occasion, uh, it makes me sad. I don't, don't, don't talk about it. Don't tell it in detail, because there were there was a lot of sadness in that way, and a lot of time to be alone, and a lot of time to when you did not have a group of people of support like this, and saying wonderful things, and and you know coming to hear. What you have to say, uh, that makes me not only feel, but I recognize that God has done something real within a life. And you must recognize that. And by, before this service is over, I'm sure you will recognize that. There are not things that happen 
by just chance. They happen by design. The mind of God. He raises up people, captains, elders, trustees, deacons, pastors, evangelists, those that will be an example, those that perhaps may be quiet. God will raise up vessels such as our brother Ken Andes, who sits here amongst you, rarely says anything except he is called on to speak. And then he preaches, uh, preaches a very, very wonderful. I was very blessed, Brother Andes. But when you, when you who hold a message book in your hand realize if it was not for this man and his wife, Sister Joyce, who sit here for years and whose son is on the platform, In God's economy, I wonder what God thought when he saw a man laboring over the message that he would send to his messenger and uh, would make sure that the commas were in the right place and the periods were in the right place and that you would have a chance. You, you, You don't stop and say, Wow! Look at there. Isn't that amazing? This phrase is uh, ending with a comma. But you don't realize that the vessel that sat next to you or beside you or behind you or in front of you was one that arranged and put it in the right place. And we may look lightly at that. Uh, I want to say that the prophet of God came, and and people may get tired of that, but I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't. If 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 a vessel had not been prepared and made and went through what he went through, so that he could come and say it the way it should be said. It wasn't only that Jesus the vessel was prepared, the sacrifice was prepared so that Jesus could say, Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O God. So in the sacrifices of the Old Testament, his will was not achieved, not fully accomplished. And and I want to say at the expense of being misunderstood. We may say, well, when Jesus said, it is finished, it's correct, it was finished. But that doesn't finish as your part. It doesn't say, well, I don't have anything to do now. Well, you do. You definitely do. That's why God has you here. And if you think for a minute that you're just here to hear somebody else stand behind this pulpit, you're very, very much mistaken. So the vessel that was on the cross, it was necessary that he should come. And then he spoke in uh, chapters 5, 6, 7 of Matthew, 
He spoke. He spoke. This cannot speak. This word was on his way. This word had now become flesh. And that was a design of Almighty God. He would become flesh and speak the word. Not in a language you know or in a language I know. But by the same Spirit of the Holy Spirit. For God was in him. Reconciling the world to himself. And Jesus spoke. And the Bible says they wondered, the people wondered at the gracious words that came from his lips. Lips, a body, a vessel. He had to speak. And then furthermore, something that's very, very touching to me. There was one that he called. And he was going by the seashore and he saw men, not maybe, maybe not well educated. The prophet speaks of them not being able to write their own name. Not people that you would be affected by. Not people that would change the thoughts of the community. But he would call those. Until, and he knew very well that the leaders would say, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? Why is he with the poor? Why is he with these uneducated? They didn't know he would take those uneducated and shake the world. I say, glory to God. That's the same God. That's the same way he is today. And he'd take a, a little humble Servant raised in the Catholic church. Raised in a Catholic family. Whose father was an alcoholic. And he would carry water. And the first time he speaks of hearing a sound in the tree. And you might, you might just say that. I don't think I've said this publicly. But I had a pastor in Florida say to I and my wife, would you like to meet Brother Branham's girlfriend? Well, yes, we certainly would. He said she lives not far from here. And he went and got her. She sat right beside me. And I said, do you, do you know what a prophet is? She said, no. I said, do you know that Brother Branham, William Branham, was a prophet of God. And she said, I have to just tell you what she said. She said, you're quiet and you're listening. She said, he told me that he would hear a wind in the trees. I said, do you know that God spoke to him? And she opened up her purse and brought out a little piece of paper about like that. And I looked down on it. It was a picture I'm 
very acquainted with of Brother Branham in his large cowboy hat with a bandana around his neck. And she looked at the picture, looked out over my head. She said, I still love him. It was a very moving moment. And I and my wife knelt with her. I said, would you like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, who he served? She said, I would. And we were able to kneel with her. And I remembered immediately after all that loved me. And we were able to lead her to the Jesus that he loved. I thought that was a great privilege. But that did not happen amongst a great audience of people. It happened just alone. Three people. I, my wife. I'm glad people can trample all over it. They can say whatever they wish to say. But to me, that's a reality. That is something that God ordained. God had that vessel that had to say, would you like to meet this woman? Yes, I would like to meet her. I'm glad that I was able to physically kneel and ask God to come into her life. And then she asked for healing. She needed healing in her body. And we prayed for her healing that night in the service. She was able to be in the meeting. You see, friends, and I speak to you very lovingly. I speak to you as one who has seen both sides of the track. I've seen the good, the bad, the educated, the uneducated. And I can tell you that we have many Native American people and Native Canadians. They are some of our dearest friends. And my wife and I, we love them very, very dearly. They call them Native Indian people. Uh, We, I can tell you, they are people that God would put in the heart of his messenger to say kind things about them. And so I want you to see yourself as a vessel that God can use, the almighty God can use and does use. And he doesn't change anything. I'm going to be looking down on you today Not down at you, but down on you. Because I believe that he wants to convey something. And that is, he wants to remove you from the place that you perhaps have sat in. Thinking of yourself as really no one. Brother Cobus, a lot of people don't know you. You're very, very quiet. But I read your reports, and it encourages me. I spoke to someone else 
uh, I spoke to another brother today or yesterday and mentioned your name. I believe there's 4,440 sentences, not words, but sentences. That's what you said in your report. 4,440 sentences. That would be quite a few messages. In how many different languages? I don't know. He has the Chinese by how many hours it would take. And I'm, I'm, I'm also thankful because God has a sense of humor. Boeing aircraft people pay his salary. And I'm glad for that. I don't think we'd be able to pay your salary. But God has a vessel. And for you, it's important. Maybe it's not that important for other people. Maybe it's not that as important to me. I don't read those languages. I was in, um, in Geneva, just out of Geneva, Switzerland, and uh, <clears throat> uh, two, three years ago, and I heard from someone that said this whole group of young families and young people and children and f- families, they come from Romania. Oh, I said, well, I'm always anxious to meet someone else from another country. And I said, uh, so I addressed them. I said, I hear you're from Romania. Yes, they're from Romania. I said, do you know how the message came to Romania? Because I was very touched when I heard how it had come to Romania. No, they didn't know. Had never heard. You know something? They missed a very important part of the message that God would send. And somebody labored over that. And I said, I have met the man. I met the man who brought the message to this country. And he he wrote it from German. He didn't understand English. He does not understand English. So he wrote it. He understood German language. And it had, it had been translated from English to German. And then he translated it from German to Romanian. I said, that's how you got it. I said, I have been in his home. I have been in the services with him. And I, furthermore, I said he had, they, they had a very, very, very difficult law and police force. Was it the Stasi? I believe it was the Stasi police. You young people, you go to school, you go to church, you've come to church today, but when they came to church, they had a child, maybe eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, walking the sidewalk outside to see if the Stasi police were coming. And the people that I was with 
It made me feel very, very humble. It made me feel awkward, in fact. The people I was with would run out. He would run in, and or she would run in, and say, Stasi is coming. And then they would run out all the doors that possible and go to the garden area, and they raised beautiful gardens, and they laid down in the rows between the plants and hid themselves. And I said, did you know that's how the message came to you? They knew nothing, and forgive me, but don't forgive me, but I begin to weep. I said, this man, I'll call him John. He would raise rabbits in a pen, and he made the pen for the rabbits. And then the rabbits, their manure would go through the cage down onto the bottom. But the bottom was a false bottom. And under that was a little drawer. And he would pull the drawer. And I saw that drawer about that high. He'd pull it. And in there were the translations of the message. You can debate how great that message is. But I can tell you God saw that message in a rabbit pen under the manure. That one day somebody would read it and thank God. Oh, I'm so thankful. I can understand this. And then years later God saw that I was standing at a table with 22 of them Do you know how this message came to you? No, they said, we don't know. Do you know how this message came to you? Perhaps not. It's very quiet. And that's what I intend it to be. There was a man by the name of Peter. He heard once, Come and follow me. And something in his heart gripped him. And he dropped his work tools. He dropped his fish nets. And he went and followed this one. Where? I don't know. Where? He didn't know. And he saw he was involved in a very elaborate Great crowds and multitudes of people, perhaps like is here. And great crowds gathered, educated, and different kinds of people came. It was, it touched them somehow, it touched them. It touched them where the books of education didn't touch them. It touched them where the groups of fellowship didn't touch them. It touched them where religion didn't touch them. And he touched the people, stretched forth his hands and healed them. And he saw them restored. 
That must have been something. That must have been something. If you young men were there, you'd never forget that. You'd never forget that. So I saw somebody. I saw someone in a wheelchair. I saw somebody on a pallet. I saw somebody. And this Peter, I hope I can make it clear. Then one day things turned sideways. And the great crowds left. And the people left and said all kinds of nasty things. And they accused Jesus. And he was called up before the Caesar of the land or the area before Pilate and the crowds now were incited to say crucify him crucify him they said well we'll give you Barabbas no we don't want Barabbas crucify this Christ he made claims about the temple destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days He did raise it up in three days. He raised up the vessel of God in three days. And it was while it was cold, you know. And it's amazing how things can be so natural and yet very spiritual. And it was, it was cold. It's not really warm here. And so people are rubbing their hands and He was at a fire warming his hands and uh, someone comes out says, you were with him. That's not a very great statement. You were with him. Your speech betrays you. He said, I know not the man And he was with curses and oaths. I do not know what words there were. But he said, I know not the man. And and Jesus said, looked at him and said, Before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. That's not a very religious statement, is it? But then, when the cock crowed the third time, the Bible says, Jesus, and now he's in the judgment hall, and he looked, and he just looked at him. Eyes. Just looked at him. I'm so glad he had eyes to look. It only took a look. And the Bible says he remembered the words that Jesus had spoke to him with his lips. And he went out and wept bitterly. He was not the only one to weep bitterly, but he wept bitterly. And God did something in him. I want to say something to this congregation. I sat on the platform where perhaps these brothers are sitting. 
and Brother Branham was in, I was filled with a lot of questions about the message. You may be too. That's okay. That's okay. You can't figure everything out. That's okay. God has it all figured out. You may not have it all figured out. In this vessel as you sit here, it's okay. It's your attitude. This word came from God. This vessel came from God. I was certain it had come from God, but I was sitting there and this prophet of God, and I will call him a prophet without any shame, he turned and he looked up at the, he said, in the Bible, Jesus turned his back. In Abraham's time, he turned his back where Sarah was in the tent and he turned his back. And he said some things. He said, I'll turn my back. And I was sitting right here or over there. And he looked up and he said, he looked at the gable end of the little auditorium we were in, the room. He said, there's a man behind me and you're praying for a paralyzed man. Well, I knew who the paralyzed man was. That was Brother Jacobs. I had been into the home of his daughter and son-in-law, I think it was, and he was in a lean-to where they kept the wood piled. And he was laying on a mat in there, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. And I thought, well, I know who the paralyzed man is. I'm sitting on the platform. I know who he is. That's Brother Jacobs. The man who was sitting next to me was a very dear friend of mine, Brother McGriff. And he and he knew who it was. He says, well, I know who it is. It's Brother Jacobs. And I saw him this morning. You've never heard this. That's why I stand behind this pulpit talking to you. We're not talking about fairy tales. We're talking about truth. We're talking about things that happened. You're talking, you're looking at a vessel who was there and saw and heard these things. One thing I cannot be considered is a liar. I'm not a liar. I was there and he said, I'll turn my back. And he looked up. And I was standing there, sitting there, looking at this vessel. Now he's looking up. He's saying, there's a man that's paralyzed. Well, I knew who the man was. I knew where he was. I I was certain I knew where he was. I visited him. And the man sitting right next to me, who I know wouldn't tell a lie for anything, he knew who he was. He had been there that day. And he says, and the man is in Nanaimo. 
It's an Indian hospital in Nanaimo. And we all knew that he wasn't there. And he said, wheeled around like this, he said, isn't that right, Mike? Pointed to about the third row away. He had been taken to Nanaimo that afternoon. That afternoon. And listen to me, friends. I saw him, it was five hours by fish boat to a house it. And he lived there. They, he had moved down to Port Alberni. He had been there. And he was moved that afternoon to Nanaimo, to the Native Indian Hospital there. Now, friends, I'm so glad that I can tell this congregation, this audience of people, I saw a man look in a different direction and speak of something that was unseen and passed into history and bring it forward to the man. Isn't that right, Mike? And he was taken to a hospital that afternoon. Now, friends, the one dying on the cross perhaps wasn't able, but I'm so glad that there was a vessel, a vessel. And I want you to be able to take and recognize that God saw your birth. This God that I'm speaking of, he saw where you would be born, what language you would speak, uh, and how he might be able to use that. Don't you ever, ever discredit what God had in his plan. And I don't care where you come from. I don't care what language. I'm so glad. I'm going to say something now that perhaps you never thought I would say. But I'm so glad that voice of God took and had such regard for the prophet. I don't know anything about the association. I know nothing about, well, he was my daddy or anything He was my friend, but that doesn't mean anything as I'm speaking now. It's more than a friend, more than a relative, more than a father, more than all of that. Somebody saw there was a value. This is a message from God and, 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 and it will reveal God's plan in this scripture, in the Bible. And though I may not understand, I may be able to read it because I went to school and I learned to read and I can read the, the English language. But they, they, somebody put it into an English language and 1,000, almost 200, 1,200 messages have been printed and I have them in my bookcase. I have individual copies. I have red volumes. I have, I have it in different forms. I have it in digital form. 
And when I look at a person, they don't have it at all. Or they have it in some language. And they just look at it and look at you. You're such a fortunate person. I sat in the home of Sister Gladys Dow. And I said, Sister Dow, she used to drive her fist down. She said, well, well Bis- Brother Bisco, what's new? And I had just come from overseas, I guess. And I said, well, and I begin to be broken because I had looked into some eyes, dark eyes of the people in Africa. And I don't know whether it was Malawi or Zimbabwe, but I was in those countries many times. Brother Harold Hildebrand was in Zambia. I was not in Zambia. I've been in Congo. Many of you came from Congo. Thank you. We welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ and keep that fervency and that desire for God. Don't allow that to become Canadianized or Americanized or Westernized. Just remain as you are. That's what God saw and that's what he loved very much. And I begin to speak to Sister Gladys Dow. And out of that conversation, I won't go into detail, but out of that conversation was the building in Madras, which is Chennai. And from that building was millions of books were printed. And... uh, I thank you, brethren, for being here. And I was able to be back, and if this just sounds like a bunch of stories, it's not. It's a reality. It's a thing. And so I want to take a body that could speak and would say, follow me had more effect. It has more effect even now. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. That was in Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, and also in Matthew. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, He said, I'm so glad that there were eyes that could look. Who is it that touched me? And he's turning around. That was not some great thing to a lot of people, but it was a lot of things to her. And she was cowering in fear. Perhaps, oh, when those eyes... Focus down on her, daughter. I'm sure that meant everything in the world. When those lips spoke, she wasn't saying at the cross, Oh, I'm so glad that he looked on me. I'm so glad that he saw me. But friends, 
That can never. What you say, what you do, your action can never, ever be erased. It's done. It's finished. You may say, well, I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. That's fine. We all have. We all have. And But God put something in us to say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me. I receive you. I receive the perfect sacrifice. I believe on you, Lord Jesus. That's all you need to say. And you say that from the very depths of your heart. Disregard who you think you are. But accept who you are. And what he made you. And that he saw that you would hear. Listen to me now. You would hear. This message. You would see it. In somebody's lives. I have some very good friends. Doctrinally, they don't agree with me. This is years ago. A few years ago. Doctrinally, they know what doctrine. And they condemn themselves by saying, you can't put a finger on his life. You can't put a finger on his life, but don't believe what he's saying. Thought how sad. So the life was speaking something that even the mouth couldn't say. The mouth was speaking. The life was speaking something. Is this okay? The body of Jesus Christ possessed certain essential qualities that the letter of the word did not. I want you to think about that. Creating situations in our lives that bring us to maturity. He allowed certain things to happen. Difficult things. Maybe when you're growing up. Maybe in your youth. Maybe in your early married life. And I go across this congregation. God knows what is needed to affect and cause a transformation. And cause this life. Listen to me now. This life to be. Sometimes it has to go through some grinding times. And God is developing something. Jesus had to know what the great crowds were. He had to know what the hunger, hungry was. He had to know what it was when they were wanting to make him a king. They wanted to know what it was when they were calling for his blood. His blood be upon us and upon our children. And you have lived to see that. 
he created situations where he could express his compassion and his mercy beyond words and speak words of forgiveness. Think about the man who was hanging beside him. And he said, and this man said, there were two of them that were thieves. And they were violent men. But this one said, when the other one cursed him, this one on the right hand said, we indeed, we indeed suffer justly for our deeds. This man has done nothing to bring this on him. He saw the difference between him and them. This man, we hang here justly. Sometimes we get caught in a difficult situation. But it's important to recognize we are suffering justly for our deeds. But this man has done nothing to cause this. And then he said those words, remarkable words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus did not said, did not say, you'll escape this suffering. He said, he said, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Did Jesus know that was going to take place? Yeah. Could he have prevented it? Could have. Did he? No. Why didn't you prevent me from being caught in such a situation? All the circumstances and the pressures that came on me. Why didn't you prevent that? He didn't want to prevent it. He wanted you to experience it. He wanted you to have to cry out. He brought you to tears. Not that the tears did anything. But he would bring you to a place where you would understand only God can change this situation. Only God can do it. And I leave it in his hands. And I can tell you today that God can change and turn things around in your lives, in your situation. That God can do the impossible. He's a God of the impossible. Why does he allow things? I do not know why he does. We're not here to answer why he does certain things. He does it in his own wisdom. He does it in his own wisdom. And I can tell you he's a very wise person. Very wise. Our God is a smart God.
in a greater than a message called a greater than Solomon is here. Brother Branham says, now that's contrary to God, see? God is not an idol. God is a spirit. And we prostrate ourselves before that. And the spirit don't come into some idol as some so-called Christians would have us to believe. But the spirit comes unto you and you are God's house. Living. Walking around. Manifesting the living God. For God dwells not in temples made with hands, but a body hast thou prepared me. I want to ask you, have you ever put yourself in that position to believe that? God has a body. God has a vessel. When you go to school or you go to work tomorrow or you go to do whatever you do, Will you please realize, and I think it was one of the brethren that were ministering here behind this pulpit, and he quoted something, was saying that the people should say this. I believe it was you, Brother Tim. Say this. I'm going to keep repeating it, he said. Tell you say this. Tell it's a reality to you. And I thought that that, that was good. And furthermore, sometimes we have to say something. Thou art a temple of the Holy Ghost. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I'm bought with a special price. The blood of Jesus Christ. And say that in the face of the devil. Say that in the face of your difficulties. Say that in the face of your failures. Say that in the face of everything. I am bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to a church. I don't belong to that organization. I don't belong to anything. I belong to him. For God dwells not in temples made with hands, but a body hast thou prepared me. You are God's letter. You are God's letter. Do you believe that? You are God's letter. If God could write a letter to this generation, he would write one that lived out exactly what you live out. You say, oh, I failed so miserably. He would need that. He would need a vessel who would say that. I have failed so miserably. I could be so much better. That's what he would want to say. And furthermore, he went on to say, you are God's letter, a written epistle. God is in you. Is he still a prophet? Is he still a messenger? Is he still a messenger? I'm still saying what he said. He is still, he's saying, God is in you. Manifesting himself through. If you could prostrate yourself before God and say, God, I'm a sinner. 
come into me. And then the Holy Spirit comes in. And then you're a living idol of God. Living representative of God. Walking around with God. Speaking through your lips to others. Now you might consider me foolish and that's fine. But that's what I believe. I believe God has you speak. That God Almighty speaks through your lips. Sister Lisa St. John. You sent a text or said something. And you said, I've noticed in the last two messages that you look to your left. You're right, but I look to your, I look to my left. You said you want to speak to your doctor about that. Maybe you have too much nursing, but anyway. I, I, I thought of that. And I, I, I thought of it enough to say it to my wife. Maybe it is. Maybe I've got to look to the right. Maybe I need to. God speaking through your lips to others. In stature of a perfect man. Listen to these words, please. Now in the tabernacle is, of course, a place where we go to rest. Now get freshness and so forth, like resting from sleep or so forth. Now Hebrews 10 and the fifth verse, Paul Paul brings it in. Paul brings it in in the fifth verse. And the fifth verse says, Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he saith, Sacrifice an offering thou wouldst not but a body hast thou prepared me. I look upon you. There's a sister that's, I think, in this congregation right now. And uh, this might fit you. And she would come to me after she came to the message for years. She says, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. I said, well, finally, I, um, I said, what will you do when you get filled with the Holy Ghost? She was honest. She said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, how do you know you haven't got it? If you don't know what you'll be like when you have it. How do you know you don't have it? That's the last time she ever spoke to me about that. (laughs) Oh, uh, if I just get enough of God, well, how much of God is enough? If, If I can just be super spiritual, you know what? 
you may not accomplish anything. God wants you just the way you are. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice, that's Christ. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. I want to say something, and perhaps I could be misunderstood, and I hope not. God wants to dwell in a group of people called a body of Jesus Christ. He wants to dwell in this body. He wants to dwell in a group. This group has been gathered out to do something. And uh, friends, I don't know why I have. I personally have such a passion to see the word get to someone else. I get so affected. The brother I was just telling you about in Romania... There's so many, many things. It's not just stories. You're looking at a vessel. I sat in an airplane seat. And that airplane was full of people going to Mr. Ceausescu's son's court case. And they wanted a death penalty on him as well. And I bought four tickets for a round trip airplane, it was $18. That's how cheap the economy had totally collapsed. And this man I was telling you about earlier, a few moments ago, this man, John, who was finally caught by the Stasi, turned upside down and beat the bottom of his feet. A man sent a picture of him with me and Brother Klaus de Jong from Holland. And he sent that picture. I have three pictures now of him. And I was preaching under uh, just a cloth. And to see these people in Uganda and see the pictures of them under a cloth, I appreciate that. I was there. I was with this man, and I can tell you this morning, before God and before this congregation of people, I felt more honored to be with him. To think that this was a man as a heavy-duty mechanic, and I, I complain, and you do too, complain about things, that's just not exactly the way I have difficulty seeing. Yes, and I look perhaps more to the right than to the left. I don't know we have these difficulties, but I can tell you one thing. When I looked at that man, he was looked like he was looking through two Coke bottles and know that he was translating it from a, not an accurate German translation, but an inaccurate one. and But nevertheless, he was doing it. He felt compelled. He had to do it. It had to 
the rabbits had to drop their droppings down onto the hay in that, but under there was a tray, and there he he was compelled by a force. There's a force, friends. I can't explain, but the prophet of God said the unseen becomes visible. It's a force that's causing that. And I can tell you, I'm not up here for entertainment. I'm not up here today just to say, oh, that's, that was wonderful. I'm up here to tell you that the things that I speak are true. And you know they are true. I'm not here to tell you some untruth. I'm here to tell you this messenger and people can say whatever they wish to say. They can bring accusations against against the messenger. They brought accusations against Jesus Christ. Don't you ever be moved by an accusation. If you've been accused of something and it's a true thing, then God knows and God will deliver a person out of that. But I can tell you one thing. There's many things that have been brought against the message and they brought against Jesus Christ himself and how they could ever find enough wrong with Jesus, your Jesus, to crucify him. But he rubbed it in their face when he says to the one, today you'll be with me in paradise. But he didn't tell them in two or three days, we'll be out. He didn't try to persuade him by fancy things. He let him go through the suffering. And Jesus asked the question. God has prepared a body. A bride body. Brother Branham says God has prepared a bride body for Jesus. Can you say that with me? God has prepared a bride body for Jesus. Isn't that a great honor? Isn't that a great privilege? God has prepared a bride body for Jesus. I mean, I was born the way I was supposed to be born. I was born in the language I speak. You are. You're born for Jesus. That's why you were born. You came through life. You came through the difficulties through life. You have. You have. I have to make a confession. Recently, I I found it more difficult. You that are my grandchildren and great-grandchildren... I have found it more difficult to relate to your world. You have a room. I've never had a room. 
you have a mom at home. I didn't have a mom. I stood to see my mother pass away as a young, healthy woman. I have a beautiful picture of my father looking at my mother, and I understand it was just a short time before she was taken to a hospital. She'd never been sick in her life. And so I feel more distant from my family. I don't want to. I try to understand it. It's hard to understand. It's hard to understand. You're shifted from place to place, from farm to farm, from camp to camp. It's difficult. And you look on a, on a minister, or you look upon someone who's, and say, oh, it's been wonderful. What was it like to be with the prophet? Oh, if people only knew. If people only knew. I'm glad the vessel had eyes that could say, what do you think of this ministry? Do you think it could be that of Elijah the prophet as it's foretold in the scripture? And I'm glad that this vessel had eyes and I just looked over sideways and could see that his face had become discolored. I thought he looks like a man that's near death. And then his head back and just looked at me. That was a different look. I'm so glad that vessel could just look at that. And then he said the right thing. He said, I guess he's come to me 10,000 times, 10,000. And it's just like I could die. That's why I understand what Peter, when he heard the cock crow, and the Lord Jesus just looked at him, didn't have to say anything. And he remembered the words. Have you been in church? And remembered the words that were spoken? Has it been something for you? What is the tabernacle now? A body... God tabernacling in a body. God once up high when he came down on the mountain. Even if a bullock or a cow touched the mountain, he must be killed. God is holy. Last evening, when those angels covered their faces, holy seraphims 
with holy faces cover their feet in humility. Now holy God could not condone sin. You hear that? God could not condone sin. So he loosed us from it. He cleansed you from it. He purified you from it. So nothing could touch the mountain where God was. Then God was made flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus Christ, his son, his creation. Then that son gave his life. Are you following this? Then that son gave his life. And the blood cell of God was broken that the life might come out of the blood to us. I say, praise God that the blood cell was broken. And it came out to us. Say, well, I didn't see it. That's good you couldn't see it. If you could see it, it wouldn't happen. It would not have happened. But when the invisible or the unseen becomes visible, then something supernatural has happened. And that's why you've heard it multitudes of times. You must be born again. You were born once. And maybe you spend a lot of time thinking about that. You were born once. That was a sexual birth. And by that birth, you have your human nature. We are born again by this blood that was given at Calvary. And if that is not so, then we are all hopeless, hopelessly undone. I sat in a home where vice president of the British American Oil Company was, and it was in Morocco. And as I sat there, he said, why did the Jews hate us? And I said, I don't think they hate you. Well, he said, yes, they You know, why are they so... And they began to try to bring up something between the Arab and the Jews. You see, friends, that's all this natural human birth. But that did not come by the supernatural birth. And I said to this man, the vice president of the BA Oil Company, I said, sir... If that was not Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that hung and died on that cross, I said, do you see my family here? I said, here's my three daughters and my wife. I said, we all five are hopelessly lost. We are hopelessly lost. And he said, I have never heard it that way before.
I said, if that was not the Son of God giving his life for our sins, then we all are lost. And I will now include all of this congregation. If that was not Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, dying for you and I to separate us from that natural birth, you must be born again. And God sends his word to us. He sends his message to us. He sent his message to you in your language now and uh, has been put together, is preached by the ministers of God, is preached to you, then you must say, it is preached to me because God has called me. I'm here under the sound of this message. Why does he have it? Have you here under the sound of this message? He saw. He looked your way. He saw where you were. He called you. You've heard his voice. He's called you. So that you can come under the sound of his message. That's what this vessel has come to say to you today. And the prof- I end with this. And that prophet, through that blood, we are cleansed. And now our, bl- our blood, our life, which came by living through sexual desire, brought our life in the world. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us changes our nature. I've been greatly affected by this. And I have all of this highlighted now. Changes our nature by sending upon us the Holy Spirit. Then we become into the divine nature of God. Then we become a dwelling place for God. Jesus said, at that day, you'll know that I am in the Father and the Father in me. I in you and you in me. That's what we say because our nature has been changed by the Almighty God. And I need it. We all need it, and so I want to have you bow your heads while we pray. Heavenly Father, you've allowed me to say what is upon my heart to say. Oh, God, I thank you, Father, not only for the blood that cleanses and separates us from the nature of our first birth, but you have given us the potentials of another birth. Oh God, we have been born by the Holy Spirit of God. Father, I pray we'll be transformed by our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father. You have made this provision. You have made this essential things. Oh, Father God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Move upon this audience of people. Move upon the audience that's invisible and also in the invisible, whether they're streaming or whether they will hear it at another time. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll be glorified by the things that have been said and by the body of a vessel that speaks it in Jesus Christ's name. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity of sitting in a service, sitting on a platform and hearing what I've heard and seeing, oh God, the demonstration and being affected, Lord, by what you have spoken now through your messenger. You said not to teach the word, but to preach the word. And preaching it is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Have your way, I pray, O God, in the service today. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your time. It was wonderful to be with you and say these things, and I'm so glad to be able to be a testimony and a witness. What I will say to you, whenever I refer to the messenger, I feel very, very small. But I can tell you one thing. Whatever is said is true. I've had people come to me many times and said, I've heard you tell that. I've heard you tell your testimony 20 years ago. And one thing I can say, it's always been the same. Amen. 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 Amen